This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 12.03 on March 9th. Thanks for joining us for the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Hart. Restaurant chain IHOP opening a new kind of bank with currency based around pancakes. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the Labor Department's report on job openings is out today. Let's break it down with the help of Bob Brusca, chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics in New York. Bob, a lot of numbers. Let's make sense of it all. Yeah, well, this is a bit of an abstract report. Um, We look at job openings. There's just a colossal number of job openings. Um, They continue to run at a very high rate. Uh, If we look at where openings are compared to when they've been historically, they've only been higher than this about 2% of the time. Yet hiring, actual hiring, is below its median pace. So even though we think of hiring as having been strong, uh, in the context of this report and this survey, hiring is nowhere near where it had been at its peak historically because we look at levels. And, of course, we're still not back to that hiring level that we had before the recession set in. But we know that monthly job gains have been strong. We know the unemployment rate is very low. And so the numbers that you get out of these reports depends on the particular way in which they count them, okay? One thing in this report I think that's significant is the quit rate, and the quit rate continues to be very high. When there's a high quit rate, it tells you there's a very tight labor market and that the balance of power has shifted to the worker from the firm because workers are scarce, and so they can quit and go off and get a better job if they don't like the way you treat them or pay them. Well, and that's just it. We, we've seen this so-called great resignation, and it's, uh, it's declined to its lowest if we're talking about quit levels since October. Yeah, well, the quit pace is still, uh, you know, the quit pace has only been higher than this about 1.2% of the time historically. So this is an extremely high uh, quit rate. A lot of it comes out of the leisure and hospitality sector, which is not surprising because it's the low-paid sector. And so what we're finding is that in that sector, people are either forcing employees to give them better wages, or they're migrating to a different sector, taking their skills and going elsewhere. You also mentioned, you know, the jobs report an, ab- an abstract representation of, of the job market. We know, though, that employers are scrambling to fill these vacancies, and we're also seeing that it's forced up worker wages. You think that trend is going to continue moving forward? Well, I think so. You know, we did have a report out yesterday called the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, and they actually survey. Uh, what firms are doing. And in that survey, it's very interesting because firms have been paying workers more uh, at a very high rate. You know, once again, you look at it historically, they've only paid workers increases more broadly than this about 2 or 3% of the time. However, when you ask them what do they plan to do, their plans to raise wages for workers are extremely low. So the fact on the ground is that they continue to pay workers more month after month after month, but they have no plans to continue to do it. So in some, some cases, when you look at these surveys, there may be a bit of denial involved. 
I would agree with that with that statement. Again, the job openings report released uh, earlier this morning, totaling a hundred, or excuse me, eleven point two six million job openings in January. That's up from ten point nine million in December. Thanks so much for joining us, Bob Brusca, chief economist of Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Coming up, IHOP wants its customers to make a deposit in the Pancake Bank. It's twelve oh nine. IHOP is introducing a new customer loyalty program built around pancakes. Let's learn more about the uh, flapjack factor from R.J. Hadavoy. He's head of the analytical research at foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI here in Chicago. R.J., it's pancoin? Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in a year, a year and a half, we've seen a lot of innovation from restaurant companies when it comes to loyalty programs. I think uh, this one may take the pancake uh, in terms of, uh, you know, bringing something creative to the to the marketplace. Uh, effectively, it's structured like a lot of other loyalty programs where uh, you, you receive, uh, you know, discounts based on how much you purchase. In this case, for, um, you know, every $5 you spend, you get a pan coin, um, you know, which then can be applied uh, uh, used for pancake themselves or other products in their stack market. Um, you know, really, this is just kind of capitalizing on the popularity we've seen with digital ordering for takeout and delivery, which has become a much larger part of uh, these, these restaurants, uh, you know, post-COVID. Um, and as people are doing that, you really have to find a way to keep people engaged with that. And so I think uh, making your loyalty program stand out is a smart move. Well, and again, you mentioned we've seen restaurants sort of make this pandemic pivot, trying to appease to people who are ordering more food online or trying to at least bring customers back. I do think it's sort of interesting. Not only is it a loyalty program, but it is sort of playing on, you know, the, the cryptocurrency and, and how it's sort of trending. And it's, uh, I think, you know, the International Bank of Pancakes, Pancoin, all very trendy terms. You think it's going to draw people in? I mean, if nothing else, you get a free flapjack. I think it'll have some success, uh, at least early on, but the the key to a lot of these programs is continuing to innovate and making sure you give customers what you want. The the companies talk a lot about one-to-one marketing, and really that's one of the keys to these uh, these loyalty programs, especially at a time when most restaurant chains are still not back at pre-COVID traffic levels at this point, at least according to our data, uh, really is being able to to keep that open line of communication with consumers, uh, give them uh, products and discounts that they might be looking for, inform them about new products. Um, so it, it really comes down to making it not, not just this big push, but adding innovation to the loyalty program as it continues to evolve. We've seen other restaurants, other food industries obviously incorporate things. I know Burger King has crowns. Starbucks has its stars. Uh, with those companies, though, you can sort of pick and choose what your rewards go toward. And this is specifically pancakes. Is that limiting customers? You do have other options with this platform, it sounds like, too. So I think that they're trying to focus on the, on the pancakes is kind of the, the center of it. But it does sound like you'll have some ability to purchase other things, too. So, And I think that's key, too. I, I think you know if you were to restrict just to one product, uh, that may defeat the purpose of a, of a loyalty program. So I think uh, they've made it as flexible as possible and that you can uh, uh, purchase other products with it as well. And I, I suspect that they'll add new offerings to the loyalty program as we uh, go through time, much like we've seen with other restaurant companies. I mean, if it's me, though, I am just going for pancakes and nothing else. <laughs> Thank you so much, RJ Hadavoy. He's head of analytical research at foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI here in Chicago. Up next, in Personal Finance Wednesday, teaching kids how to handle money. A key practical life skill you can teach kids is managing money. Let's get some tips on doing that from Mark Horner, wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in suburban Wheaton. Mark, maybe it's just me, but, you know, my money talk was my dad telling me, here's a shiny nickel, don't waste it. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I guess I guess it's okay to start where, where however the conversation starts, just as long as you're talking about it with the kids. I think is the I think is the important thing to do. But uh, I've, I've seen some articles talking about uh, money with kids and using budgeting as examples and. Uh, diversification in a portfolio. And, and again, I think any conversation is good, but th- those are some pretty dry ways to start uh, an, intro- an introduction to money. And, uh, and, I, and I think uh, a lot of people might be surprised at how young kids can be to really even get the concept of saving, of saving and investing. Uh, so we came up with, a in our house, we've got, my wife and I have got four kids, uh, basically the at-home 401k plan where we started when our kids were in elementary school and made a deal with them that when birthday money or Christmas money came in, whatever money they put into their savings account, mom and dad would match. So for they put in $5, we'd match that, and $10 would go into their savings account. And it was amazing to listen oh, the to eavesdrop on conversations among the kids where they would compare notes about how much are you going to put in for the savings account you know but if i if i put money away i can't spend on things and so they get the idea they they really got the idea of uh, if I if I delay gratification a little and put some money into the into the savings account, that money that money's going to double, and there's value there's value in that. And they had conversations on their own about uh, about how to how to make those decisions. So you know, I I think putting their hands on the wheel and giving them a chance to really experiencing it firsthand, I think is I think can be very powerful with, with getting kids thinking about money early. And I think it's also more incentivizing, too, to show your kids what they can gain. You mentioned sort of the family 401k. I love that because it's different than just, you know, setting aside money in a piggy bank where it's not earning any interest. It's not matched. This is real life application here for kids. And I'm curious, you said elementary school. Around what age did you introduce this concept? So the uh, I think our oldest was in the seventh grade, which would have put our which would have put our youngest I think it might have been the first grade. So I, really, I, they cannot start in our experience anyway. You cannot start early and early enough. They will they will get it uh, when they've got that they've got that birthday money in their hot little hands of, about do I go to the you know do I go to the popcorn shop which is a, a local business here in, here in Wheaton and spend some money with my friends or do I do I peel off a little and have mom and, and have mom and dad add to it and stick it in my savings account and then as that's played out over time with our kids there's a little bit of healthy competitiveness among uh, among them about hey how much is in your savings account how much is in how much is in mine and and so, I mean again they, I they can't be young enough, or too young rather, uh, to get the to get them started with these with these ideas. And we haven't even gotten into the, then the investing decision. You know, what do you do when money's starting to accumulate in their in their accounts? What do you what do you do with that? Which is a, which is another great conversation with the kids. Well, and it's not just kids; it's grown-ups. You'll hear it too. I wish I'd started sooner. Thank you so much, Mark Horner, wealth advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton, Illinois, giving us some practical tips on how to talk to kids about managing their money. Still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, navigating through an unstable world during a time of soaring inflation. This is Chicago's All News Station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. 
Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A maternity hospital in Ukraine is destroyed during an attack by Russian forces. We'll have the latest in a special report from CBS News. In Personal Finance Wednesday, help in managing your money in a time of major inflation and global unrest, and also on the finance front, weighing the pros and cons of leasing a car. WBBM Business, the Dow up 750 points, the NASDAQ up 460, and the S&P 500 up 117 points. AccuWeather says sunshine today, high 43 degrees. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Temperatures fall to 23 tonight and a bit colder tomorrow, a high of 31 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues with a special report. CBS News special report. Ukraine says a maternity hospital in the besieged Ukrainian port city of Maripol has been attacked by Russia in a direct strike. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky tweeted calling it an atrocity. It has led more and more people to still try and flee the war-torn region. This woman has just arrived in Poland. I was really scared all the way because I read that a lot of people got shot when they were trying to leave the city. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is rejecting calls for a no-fly zone over Ukraine, saying it could lead NATO and the U.S. into direct conflict with Russia. If I were in President Zelensky's position, I'm sure I would be asking for everything possible in his mind to um, help the Ukrainian people. 
Here at home, the war is still having an effect on gas prices. The average for regular is now 425, according to AAA. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the markets are certainly in positive territory this afternoon. We are joined by Gary Coltbaum, president of Coltbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Gary, a very big bounce on the stocks today. What's uh, What are your thoughts here? Well, first off, uh, we're just getting back the highs of yesterday, so we keep it in perspective. Uh, very simply, oil prices, which amazingly went from $90 to $130 in six trading days, uh, finally hit the big wall, had somewhat of what we call a climactic move, and are tanking big time today, uh, giving relief to everything else that sold off when oil prices skyrocketed. As simple as that, a direct correlation. Well, one of those that was sold off, technology, right? We saw a lot of trade-offs happening there. Is now the time to, to get back into technology? That I'm not so sure of. Technologies have been the bear market way before the uh, Russian invasion. Uh, so definitely technologies having a very good day today. Uh, but I have a sneaking suspicion there's a little more work there to do before it can get going. Uh, at the highs, valuations were just off the charts, and I'm not so sure we're there yet. Uh, the good news is 10 years from now, the biggest winners we will find will be from the growth technology arena with companies coming out with amazing uh, products that we've never even heard of. Uh, I'm just not so sure we're in that sweet spot just yet, but definitely a very good day. Well, the pullback in oil also, we saw a correlation with some bump in consumer-related stocks. I know Nike's up 6%, Starbucks added almost 4%. Uh, Is that something where you have a little bit more confidence? If oil stays down, yes. And I can tell you, uh, before the Russian invasion, one of the areas that was really starting to get going was all the travel-related areas. Uh, because of all the big opening up around the world. So the airlines and hotels and things were starting to uh, peak uh, out, out of, you know, out of their, uh, uh, they were just sitting around for quite a while. And then the Russian invasion just killed them. If oil prices stayed down, I'd be looking at travel related uh, as things open up. And the fact of the matter is, uh, when oil p- prices spike, it's, it's the worst possible scenario for the airlines. Uh, so if oil prices keep coming down, that's the best possible scenario for the airline. So something to look at there. Definitely a win-win, right, if we see those energy costs come down. And we're seeing those COVID restrictions ease coming up on spring, summer, definitely keeping an eye on travel. There's also been talk, though, I want to pick your brain, about a potential recession at the end of this year. So any concern there for investors? Oh, 100%. Uh, if oil prices did stay up, I would guarantee you a recession. There's no way this economy that's already debt laden, deficit laden, and very much leverage could stand with $125 oil uh, for too long. So fingers crossed, uh, we've hit an important juncture here and stays down because if it goes up, I can guarantee you uh, we will see not only a softer economy, but a decline in GDP uh, for more than a couple of quarters. And that would be a definition of recession. Any areas that you think we should avoid, like the plague right now? <laughs> uh, this second, I, I, you know, how about if I tell you I don't know? Uh, you have so many moving parts. If I, if I knew uh, that energy and commodities would stay down, you ignore them. But that's been the bullish areas recently. If energy and commodities started ramping up again, stay the heck away from financials. 
uh, and technology. So it's a matter of just watching like a hawk uh, which way these commodities are going. They are driving the bus right now 100 percent. Let's take a look at where precious metals are headed. Uh, They've been in good shape. They're pulling back today with all of the commodities. But I think uh, they're in bullish mode here. And I think pullbacks are viable uh, in, in the gold arena. There's, there's some, some stocks that have been much stronger than others. One called Goldfields GFI. Uh, that's been uh, what we call the bull of the woods, the strongest name of the group, but only on pullbacks at this second because it came straight up for the last uh, six, seven days uh, with the rest of the commodity complex. Thank you so much for joining us, Gary Kaltbaum, president of Kaltbaum Capital Management in Orlando, Florida, as the markets are in positive territory after a uh, a four-day loss here. You can find him online at GaryK.com. And up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, help in dealing with runaway inflation as well as uncertainty overseas. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, it's Personal Finance Wednesday, and of course, inflation is at a 40-year high while the world events are breeding uncertainty within the economy. We welcome Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of Wealth Management Group Inverness in Downers Grove. Craig, let's talk about this uncertainty. Specifically, I want to talk about what it means for those who are nearing retirement, because inflation, man, that can just kill those uh, nest eggs you've got tucked away. No, you're right. Longer term, stubborn and persistent inflation is the silent killer. I think everyone thinks it's hypertension. We got things to take care of it. It's inflation that can derail retirement. And when I think about those that are on the cusp of or already retired, you know, after such a fantastic tailwind to markets in the second half of 20 and 2021, there might be many people who started to abandon the safe money in their portfolio, the fixed income, the bonds, the cash, because they said, hey, if inflation's going to be high, I should be all in stocks. That's been a bad trade, obviously, thus far in 2022. So I really want to make sure those in retirement don't increase their risk by overcommitting to volatile asset classes in retirement, because I'm afraid there's too many people that got sucked in here this year. And I feel like it's a phrase that we repeat constantly, right, is to not react emotionally. We're seeing what's happening in Ukraine. We're seeing what's happening with the Fed. We're talking about inflation at, again, this 40-year high. You're saying don't jump ship just yet. No, definitely. I mean, again, everything should be disciplined, specific, measured, a repeatable process when you're working towards getting retired and stay retired. And just make sure you have a right-sized investment policy, not too much risk, not too little risk, the right amount. But there's other things that I think people can do. When it comes to managing their retirement income, now is a great time for people to take stock of ensuring they have a proper social security claiming strategy. Some people take it early, as early as 62. Some people take it on time. Some people might want to consider delaying to rack up those 8% per year delayed retirement credits on top of what's likely to be a very generous cost of living adjustment just like there was this past year. Right, right. And again, this is something that we're, we're seeing inflation. We know cost of living is going up. And so if you if you can hold out, you're saying there's going to be some big benefits in delaying taking out that Social Security. 
Well, that's that's just right. You know, I think part of having a well-orchestrated retirement plan is having preparedness and flexibility. You know, and for this year, you know, Social Security recipients received a 5.9% cost of living adjustment. That's good. It was overdue and it was needed. But for those who were able to delay, that means they're not just getting that 5.9% cost of living adjustment. They're going to be getting an 8% delayed retirement credit, say, if they delayed taking it from 67 to 68. I think those are some of the things that are within people's purview. And don't forget that retirement is all about income. It's not necessarily assets. And for that reason, I encourage investors, retirees, to really consider diversifying their income so that they have portions of their family's wealth that can grow to keep up with inflation. That's just mission critical, as you mentioned, Rachel. And I think that this advice you're offering, right, whether you're newly setting up your 401k or whether you're days away from retirement, I mean, these are all applicable regardless of of the status of, of your retirement. Yeah, that's exactly it. These are just foundational building blocks. I call them table stakes. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it's programs like yours, you know, the Noon Business Hour, where people can start getting a flavor of how they can start improving their financial condition, because at the end of the day, education leads to empowerment. So whether we're focusing from an investment side on inflation hedges, inflation beaters, inflation trades, those are things we've talked about together on the Noon Business Hour, or we're just talking about strategy, not taking on too much risk, having a social security claiming program in place, or finding a way to diversify the income stream in retirement. Those are all concepts that each and every one of us can strive towards. Thank you so much, Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of Wealth Management Group in Downers Grove. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. Still to come, what you should consider when deciding to buy or lease a vehicle. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's certainly an interesting time in the automotive industry, and it has some consumers wondering whether it might be better to lease a vehicle. Let's get some help from Matt Jones, spokesman for True Car based in Los Angeles. Matt, I've read an article that says it's the worst time possible to lease a car. You're saying otherwise. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Yeah, I am saying otherwise. I think, I think it really comes down to the buyer's characteristics and what they expect to do with that vehicle over their ownership. See, see here's, here's the, uh, the rub. Buying a car and keeping it until the wheels fall off is still the most cost of way to meet your transportation needs. I'm not going to argue that. But what's happening is people don't necessarily buy cars and keep them for 10 years or 12 years or 15 years. Buying habits seem to be people will buy a car and they may trade that car in in three or four years. And in this market where everything, depending upon who you talk to, is 60% or 60% of the vehicles are being sold for MSRP or above, people are paying elevated prices. Now, a person who buys a car for an elevated price in this market who decides to trade it in in three or four years is going to be deeply, deeply, deeply underwater, and they're going to be putting themselves in a position for a significant financial loss. Now, th- there are so some... Suggest- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, the, and, and the reason I say that leasing may be a valuable uh, uh, f- finance option for people is because it's only a three-year commitment. So a person can measure where they are in three years. If they're EV curious or something like that, this may be a way for them to get out of that vehicle without having a heavy financial penalty. 
And if at the three-year period they still want that vehicle, they can convert it into a purchase, and it only costs them, you know, several hundred dollars on top of what they were already going to pay as a, as a one-time fee. So buying a car is still a great piece of inf- uh, advice, but I think people who've turned their nose up at least and should really consider it in this uh, super elevated pricing game. I'm also curious, too, if sort of this pandemic work-from-home hybrid model has sort of impacted the way people look at their cars. Because if I'm not driving into the office five days a week, maybe, you know, if I want lower mileage, I don't have to, like you said, drive it till the tires fall off. A hundred percent. That's exactly what we're getting to this as people are leaving metro areas and going to suburban and then finding out that they need to go back into the office. And, you know, there's, you know, our lives are fluid and our transportation needs can be fluid. And that's why I'm so concerned, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm like to put this other option out there for the car buying market. Consider leasing, not necessarily for what people have traditionally liked it for, for the lower you know, payments per month, but for the option of being able to divorce the car if your lifestyle changes. Because just as you said, you know, in, in my personal, I drive about 400 miles per month. I don't know that it makes sense for me to buy a $70,000 car uh, and keep it for eight years for, you know, 400 miles per month. And then, Rachel, the other thing that we need to consider is, you know, not to be anecdotal, but I just filled up my gas tank at six bucks a gallon right now. And there's plenty of other millions of Americans who are feeling the same thing. What if they want to trade out of their car into something that's more fuel efficient in, 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 a, in an area of raising, you know, gas prices or they're EV curious? So I really think that, you know, buying is still the right. If you could say that your, your circumstances are not going to change, go for it. But if there's any chance that something may change, I think people should be giving leasing uh, a serious look, especially in this market. Well, thanks so much for the insight. That's Matt Jones, spokesman for True Car, based in Los Angeles, the website truecar.com. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.